love that song, Complete in Thee. And that's exactly what happens in the Lord. And I love those words, sanctified, justified, they're a good thing. And so Caroline didn't want to hear the message tonight, so she said, I will take the kids out tonight. And so she volunteered to do that. And so she volunteered or she just didn't want to hear me preach tonight. I, she just laughs as she goes out. She didn't say anything else. So who knows the truth there. Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter number one. And we'll dive into the message here tonight in Romans chapter number one. We started here a couple weeks ago, and we're going to be here. And uh, so funny, I was getting a haircut earlier this week, and my barber and I were talking about this sort of stuff. And I thought that he had heard last week's message, and he was basically preaching to me what I preached last Sunday night. That was amazing. I'm like, Peter really pays attention. And come to find out, Peter didn't even listen to the message, but he was right. Our wavelengths were right in line with one another. I don't know how that worked out that way, but, and he's like, I need to cut, and you're here tonight. That's great. And so we are going to continue here in the book of Romans here tonight, and uh, we're going to review real quick and dive into some new material. And before we do that, we've been talking about this morning, we talked about a plan for the year 2021. And I want 2021 to be the greatest year of our church. And I believe in order for that to happen, I believe the people of God and myself, we got to get our hearts right with the Lord where they need to be. I mentioned it this morning. I said this morning, I'm going to mention it for two weeks. After that, I'm going to drop it. But for two weeks, I'm going to mention something. We've had in our church this year more fighting and bickering this year than what we've ever had, especially the past few months. We've had, um, I mentioned earlier that our offerings in March and things, when COVID hit, they took off. That wasn't God's people here giving. That was a few outsiders that don't even come to our church that gave big lump sums of money, which God was getting us through those hard times, and God did. But we look, and we have issues going on, and I believe the issue comes down to our hearts, and our hearts need to be right with the Lord. The Bible tells us, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What you treasure, you give towards. And I don't, this was not an easy thing to talk about this morning. It's not an easy thing to bring up again tonight. But first time in 10 years of pastoring, I looked at our giving records 21% if I'm being very generous, tithe. 22 families out of 70 if I'm being generous. The number could be more like 18. And you say, well, pastor, I just don't, I mentioned it this morning. I got it. If any of you want to see my giving record, it's right there for the year. You can come look at it after church if you would like, sitting there. Do I know the exact number and I've calculated it all out? No. But eight families give half of our budget a month. We haven't hit budget. We hit budget one time in the past five months. And if eight families give, we got to step up and do our part as a church. And one of the things you got to remember is this. I send out a letter talking about how we're running short. And what happens is that 25 to 30% that are faithfully giving, they find ways to give even more. 
But I think the answer to the solution is not those who already are giving to give more. The solution is for the 69% that aren't giving to really just evaluate things in their life. Let God work on your heart. And if you truly love the Lord, you'd be giving towards him and his work. That's all I'll say about tonight. I said next Sunday I'll mention it again. But I want to encourage you in 2021 that we get our hearts right with God, all of us. It would solve a lot of our problems that go on in our church if our hearts were right. And when we look in that area and we see where we're at, imagine what could be done. In all honesty, and I said this morning, I'm going to say it again, we, Brother Jay's going to be leaving us in a couple weeks. We need an assist, a full-time assistant pastor here. We do. I cannot do everything on my own. Somehow we think that that can happen, and it does, and I do the best I can. But if we're going to take things to the next level, we have to step up. And the other thing is, down the line, what if this building's not going to always work? How can we save money for a new building? And down the line, we can't take care of what we're doing now. So even if me talking about this and God works on a few hearts, if our giving went from 30% to 40%, that would change a lot. But maybe God will work on your heart. And I'm just telling you, and someone came to me tonight, I had, I have, I had different times people have come to me and they're like, well, pastor, this might, and I say, at the end of the day, your giving is between you and God. I also am going to give an account to God for you. And when our hearts aren't right and we're having issues going on inside, you got to deal with those issues. And that's what I'm doing. So I'm just asking you, seek God in this upcoming year and turn your heart to him and do what's right. Seek him. Follow his lead. That's what we need going forward. That's all I'll say about that tonight. We've only got one more week of hearing about it and then it's done. Romans 1, verse 18. We got to this point last week and we talked about the wrath of God. Told you this morning, we... This morning, I like sucked the air out of the room. It was crazy. It just was like, gone. (gasps) COVID wasn't even involved in it. Tonight, we're going to finish up talking about the wrath of God. Paul tells the church in Rome that he's going to give them the gospel. I'm ready to give to you the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel. And so as he lays the foundation, he gets into the wrath of God. I'm going to review just a little bit, and then we're going to dive into the new stuff tonight, and we will probably finish up, get close to finishing up this chapter. Verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart being darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. We looked at last week those verses there from verse 18 through verse number 23. A quick review. 
we see that the wrath of God, where does it come from? Why the wrath of God? Four reasons are given in this passage. It says it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God's wrath comes, the first reason, as I mentioned last week, is because man's rebellion towards God. You see, man is ungodly by nature and by choice. And we see that before our very eyes. Man's rebellion towards God, we see man's revelation of God. We talked about last week. God has done so much to make it possible for people to know him. He put in the heart of every person enough light to know there's a God. John chapter 1, we read that last week. There's enough light there to know there's a God. Not enough to be saved, but enough to know there's a God at least. He gave us all of creation. You look around, there is no way you can deny the fact that God had a part in all of it. And why did God do those things? So that man might want a relationship with him. That's why he did it. And so, but what happens is, the Bible says in those verses there that it was made, verse 19 says, because that which may be known of God is manifest. It's in them. It's in us. But just because of that, what happens is man has what they need to know. And we talked about last week, everyone's given a little light. What do you do with that light? You can acknowledge God, and that light will get a little brighter, and eventually you're going to trust him as your Savior. Or you take what you know of God, and you become a fool with it. and say, there is no God. That's why the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God because it's clearly evident that there's a God. Because deep down inside, you know there's a God. And not only that, all creation around you tells you that there's a God. And we see that in these verses. And what happens is God has done so much and he shows himself. God's revealed so much. He's given us his word. But man just doesn't get it. We see in verse 21, and we're almost to our new stuff tonight, and if you didn't quite get all that I'm saying now, go back to last Sunday night and you can listen to the whole message and it'll make a lot more sense. Verse 21, and look at the end of verse number 20, it says, even as eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. I've heard many people say, well, what about those people that are in the middle of a jungle in Africa and they never hear of Jesus? Why, are they going to go to hell? You know what the Bible says here? No one can say they weren't given something. No one can say there's no excuse. That's what the Bible says. And I believe that. I don't believe a loving God would say, you've never heard of me, <laughs> go to hell. A loving God puts in the heart of every man that's ever been born, man or woman that's ever been born, a little bit of light to know that there's a God. And what do you do? Do you accept that and move forward with that? And the righteousness of God, the verse before them, verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As you keep moving this way, the light comes brighter. But what happens is man rejects God. We see in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagine, imaginations. Look what it says here. And their foolish heart was darkened. See that little bit of light that's given? You reject God, that little bit of light is darkened, it says right here. 
what happens? There's a choice made. Man, instead of giving God the glory for all things that he's done, what does the Bible tell us here? They gave God no glory. Instead of giving God thanks for all the abilities he's given them and all the beautiful things he's made, they weren't thankful. There's no gratitude. And because of that, the Bible says they became vain. The word vain means empty, vain imagination, which meant they're living for themselves and really nothing. It's an empty, hollow life apart from the Lord. And it's a life, and the Bible says their foolish heart was darkened. And what happens is, look at verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And you see, when a man turns away from God, they might, in the world's eyes, be the smartest, wisest people in all the world. But in God's eyes, they are so foolish to the things of God because they've rejected him. And we see that in these verses. It says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And then look what it says, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You see, when a man says no to God, he turns around and invents something else to worship. Because all of us have an instinct inside of us to worship something. It's in there. God put that there. But if we're not worshiping God, we're going to worship something else. That's why so many people worship so many goofy things. Or they worship themselves, which is pretty goofy in itself right there. And when these things take place, we see the reason why God, His wrath is revealed. Now, if you want to go deeper into those things, go back and listen to last week's message in its entirety, and I'll explain more of it. I want to continue on from verse 24 to the end of the chapter tonight. And I think what you're going to see before your very eyes is America, right before your very eyes in these verses. Look at verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own flesh. Good job, William, messing with the guitar right there. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one for men with men, working that which is unseemly, and received in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envying, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, 
that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Those are some loaded verses right there. Last week we saw God's wrath. Why God's wrath? Well, we saw why last week. Now tonight we look at what is the results of man's rebellion. Basically, if I were to give it to you in a nutshell without going through the whole sermon tonight, but I got to go through the sermon, so don't think you're just going to get the nutshell and we'll be done. But it comes down to this. God says, you don't want me? Do as you please. That's what, this is, this, that's what happens. You'll notice from verse 24 through verse 32, you'll see three terms used in this text. In verse 24, it says, God also gave them up. Verse 26, it says, God gave them up. In verse 28, it says, God gave them over. As we look at this, this those phrases tell us that there's a limit to the patience and long-suffering of God. You and I don't know when that time is. That's not for us to decide. Let me give you a little thought before I dive in deeper. There are some Baptists and some fellow Christians that have some wacko doctrine when it comes to this passage. And we will say when it talks about homosexuality is mentioned right here in this passage. But may I just tell you tonight, there are those that preach that a homosexual cannot get saved, that they're a reprobate. You see that that's a progression down the line. A person, just because they are sinning, does not make them a reprobate. And yes, I call homosexuality sin, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But sometimes we get certain sins are worse than others. All sin is sin in God's eyes. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the worst sin, right? The unforgivable, the unpardonable sin. We're not talking about that one tonight. But I want you to understand there's a progression that takes place. And we're going to look at that tonight. We're surrounded by millions of people in our country and around the world who've abandoned God to live the way that they want to. And God says, you want to live that way? Go ahead. You know, I love that about God. If I were God, I'd probably make them do what's right. That's why I'm glad I'm not God. The fact that he lets us choose, that just shows another wonderful side of God. These people that live around us are capable of some awful sin. Turn on the news. Watch it and see. It's playing out before our very eyes. And as we look at this tonight, with that in mind, I want to dive into these verses a little bit more. And there's some sobering thoughts that we see in this passage here. And I want to try to learn a little bit more about the results of man's rebellion. Number one, we see the substance of man's sinful rebellion. Verse 24 says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 
We talk about the substance of man's sinful rebellion. We think of letter A. We think that it's based in sinful choices. Man chooses sin over God. That's what it comes down to. They choose self over God. The natural man will always choose sin over God. That's the natural man. That's the sin nature that we have. And when you think about God, you think about the word of God, you think about the will of God, the natural man will not follow that of God. A spiritual man, that's how that works. But a natural man does not. Man is a sinner and nothing can remedy that short of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. But we see tonight the results of man's rebellion. It's based in sinful choices. You notice that, that the more a man seeks to honor himself by exalting his will over that of God, the more dishonorable and the more wicked things he does. It's a downward spiraling progression that takes place. When he chooses sin, when man chooses sin over a relationship with God, his sin nature grows more corruptible. When we think about the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verse 22, it talks about, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is, look at that word, the old man is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. That word corrupt, it's a present, passive, participle, literally meaning corrupting, decaying at the present moment. The whole, you think as we look at this, every trait of the old man is wicked, sinful, putrid in the sight of God. But it's that natural man that gets away from and wants nothing to do with God that spirals out of control. But it comes from a choice. And that choice is saying, I'll live my life, and I don't want you in my life. Maybe you're there, and I can see it all around, but I don't want you. We see, letter B, it's based in sinful changes. So what do you mean? Well, look, we change. It says, who changed the truth of God into a lie. Since man refuses to live by God's law, he invents his own law. The result of it is that man creates his own God. And the chief God normally in the life of the natural man is self. Self is the God. God calls this behavior exchanging the truth and turning it into a lie. Because the truth is, there is an awesome creator. There's God Almighty. But we, the natural man changes that truth and makes their own God out of it. And man trades that which is living, helpful, and vital for that which is dead, harmful, and vain. You see, man makes, the substance of it is sinful choices, sinful changes, and then which leads to number two, the symbol of man's sinful rebellion. Because man has chosen sin over God, man is given over, look at verse 26, for this cause, because of what man has done. It says, God gave them up unto vile affections. 
man is given over because of the sin and choosing sin over God and changing the truth into a lie, God says, I'm going to give you over to vile affections. The depths to which a man can sink are represented right here. And it gets even worse as you go from verse 26 into verse 27. The basic idea here is that where societies always end up when they choose their way over God's way. You look at America tonight, there was a day in America where we trusted God and we loved God and we sought God. Never perfect. America has never been perfect. There's never been a perfect people. The Jews were far from perfect. But there was a day where America tried to live godly and follow God's principles. America does not do that anymore. America's God is not the God of heaven or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of America today is self. And you're seeing Romans 1 right here playing out before our very eyes. Look at where our world was 50, 60 years ago. Was homosexuality praised? No, it was, they were in closets then, right? Why are they out of the closet now? Why is it promoted? Because we've gotten away from God, and God has given them over to vile affections. So what do you mean? Letter A, man's attractions are very sickening. In these verses, look at verse 26 and verse 27. This is God speaking, not me, okay? For this cause God gave them over unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward another. Men with men. That's homosexuality right there. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error was not meet. In verse 26 and 27, you see Paul under inspiration from God describing the sin of homosexuality. Yes, I called it sin because it is sin. God uses it as a picture here to show the absolute depravity of man and how bad it gets. Just look around in our world today. They say in America, and I bet the numbers have gone up more, that 1% would claim to be homosexual. It might be more than that today, and I probably think it would be. But it's amazing to me how 1% are given special privileges. That you can't watch a commercial on TV without two women kissing each other or two men going into Target together. That you can't have government officials not talk about it. And we in California have our first California Supreme Court judge that's openly gay. We're the first one, and we're proud of that. It's being thrown right in all of our faces. And you got to understand something. It is wicked in God's eyes. 
it is sin. But may I just remind you, before you get on your high horse about how wicked homosexuality is, the sin in your life is wicked too, okay? We like talking about sin that we don't do. It's easier for us to talk about, and it's easier to go through. But we have our own struggles and our sin, and let's worry about our sin too. But what we see is the, the, the vile affections that are given over to, it's because of man's rejection of God. And the reason why America's going down the path it's going is going down the same path that every other nation's gone down. Because when you turn away from God and say, God, I don't want that, God says, go ahead, do what you want, and mess yourself up. That's what we do. And we see the vile effect. And it's just interesting as you look through here, and as you read it, Paul tells it, and it's interesting, verse 26, for this cause God gave them over into vile affections, for even their women did change. You see how he knows even their women were involved in this lifestyle? The emphasis here is that usually, and one of the things that you'll see even in Israel, Back in the book of Isaiah, the men would all go wrong before the women did. You read Isaiah chapter number four. Why it works out that way? One of God's signs of judging a nation is the lack of men. Study Isaiah chapter number four. You'll see that before your very eyes. And what the thing is, then they had strong women and strong children that were leading things. Isaiah chapter number four, read it. But the Bible is saying even the women were doing it. And when we look at that, you know, you might say the women were like the last bastion of morality in society. But even they, as it says here, did change the natural use. But this is where a society goes when you reject God. And if you don't see that before us, and you watch... It's not going to be long where the fact that I call it a sin is going to be hate speech. It's going to happen because we, we have to talk. God loves all of us, and he does. He doesn't love their sin. But now you see it infiltrating into churches where you have churches ordaining homosexual and gay ministers, deacons, they're lady preachers, whatever you want to call it. And you see it's even infiltrating into the church with these so-called Christians. We need to be in prayer because the further you get away from God, the more God's judgment's going to come. And God's finally going to say, I'm done. Has God said he's done yet with America? I don't know. I think it's getting pretty close. I think it's getting very close. But you see, God gave them up. God gave them up. And then God gave them over. I'm done. And he's so much more long-suffering and patient than I could ever be. And he finally says, enough's enough. We see, letter A, man's attractions are sickening. We see letter B, the man's addiction is settled. We look at verse 27, it says there, And likewise also men leaving their own use of the women, burning in their own lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unsimilar. And look at this, and receiving in themselves 
that recompense of their error which was meet. They chose this lifestyle, and it's a choice, and that choice brings consequences. That's what God's saying right here. When, man, when God gives man up to his own lifestyle, that man will find out that his attraction to and addictions to sin will become stronger and stronger and stronger. That's how it works. They are literally overcome by their vile affections. What used to be shameful when committed now doesn't phase them at all opening the door for them to sink to even deeper levels of sinful depravity. And you see and you hear about it. Not only men and men, women and women, but men with beasts. It's a downward spiral because of the choice that man makes not to follow God. That's what it comes down to. I think this is evident, and don't judge me for saying it, but I think that God's judgment's also seen in the physical realm with a lot of these things. You know, 20, 30 years ago, when you first really started hearing about AIDS, you wonder how that comes along. I believe it's a judgment of God for the sin that takes place. And they still don't have a cure for it. I'll leave that there. If you want to talk about that more, whatever, you can later on. We see the substance of man's sinfulness. We see the symbol of man's sinfulness, sinful rebellion. But in number three, we see the scope of it. The scope of it. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do are not convenient, filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envying, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. When we think about this, we see the scope of man's sinful rebellion. It's seen, letter A, in the decision that's made. At this point, when by the time you get to verse 28, after this downward progression, by the time you get to verse 28, man's rejection of God is complete. Complete rejection. And as they give themselves more fully to sin and less room they have in their mind for God, eventually God's completely rooted out of the picture by their vile affections that have trapped these people. And even the gods of his own invention become less and less necessary. And the person who has come this far in his rebellion comes to think of himself as his own God and he doesn't need anybody. And we see the scope of this, it's seen in his decision, and we see that in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they want to get God out complete. There's no room for God because of that sin. 
but it's also seen, letter B, in his depravity. And we're told that when you push God out at this final stage, the Bible says that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. That refers to something that's been put to the test, failed the test, and then is rejected. The word was used to refer to refining of metals. And the idea is that men didn't want God in their lives, so we gave them over to that depraved mind. We said, you don't want me? Do what you want. That's what it comes down to. At that point, there's no sin off limits to the depravity of that person. Paul mentions and lists 23 of them here. It's not an exhaustive list, but merely a representation of the sin that is possible at this point. Most are self-explanatory. You can look through all of those. Unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness. And these three categories of sin basically cover the whole list that is listed here. Covetousness, that's an appetite for things. Of, uh, of others. Maliciousness is ill will or vengeance towards a person. Um, envy, it's the spirit that wants not only things from, that, from another person, but begrudges the fact that that person has them. Murder, I think you obviously understand what murder is. Debate, that's a spirit given to fighting. Deceit, that's pure lying. Malignity, that's a spirit to do, spirit do filled with, en- with evil, envying hatred, and it loves nothing better than to the destruction of another human being. Whisperers, that's someone who um, gossips about another person's reputation. A backbiter is one who, um, one, well, the, uh, a backbiter is someone who not only whispers about someone, but someone who will do it openly. That's a backbiter. Um, haters of God, that's a person who hates the standards and restrictions imposed by God. His goal is to be the God of his own life. Despiteful, that's a life of defiance that dares God or another man to get in, in its way. Proud, I think we understand proud. Boasters, that's someone who's a bragger, a person who brags about what he or she has done, even if it's not even true. Inventors of evil things, that's a person who's tired of sin as usual and seeks a new form of pleasure and excitement. Disobedience to parents, I think you understand that one. Watch out for a rebellious child. When you have a rebellious child, who knows what sin they can get into. Just remember that. Um, without understanding, this is a person who refuses to learn by experience. They reject the truth and close their minds off to it. Um, covenant breakers, that's someone who's untrustworthy. They don't keep their word. Without natural affection, that's abnormal affection and love in the wrong places. That could be their genders, different things of that nature. There's a whole long list. We could go down down that line right there. Implaceable, that's a person who is um, unwilling to make peace or come to an agreement. And unmerciful, unmerciful is a person, or it's the absence of consideration or feelings for others. What matters is one's own pleasure and rights, not the pleasure and rights of other people. And we see that list continue on. And doesn't that kind of, don't those 23 things right there, or 21 things kind of, 23 with the first three, 
Doesn't that kind of describe our world? All those things? It's because man has chosen to go away from God, and this is what takes place. And this is what's funny. The world tells us that we are in bondage to God. They're in bondage to sin. That's the truth. Because that sin keeps getting worse and worse and worse. We've been given liberty from what Christ did for us on the cross, and thank God for that. But we see that as we look at the scope of this, it's seen um, in, in their decisions, it's seen in their depravity, let her see it's seen in their destiny. We look at verse 32, it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Man knows in his heart where his sin will lead. However, he chooses to do it anyways. And to make matters worse, he passes his sinful behavior onto others and encourages others to follow in the same footsteps. That's what we see before our eyes. I don't know about you, but these verses trouble my heart because it's our very world that we live in today. When you reject God, there's nowhere up to go. And we see the mess of our world today. And church, it's only going to get worse. And as God gives people over to a reprobate mind, it's just going to get worse. But do you know something? The gospel still works. The gospel can still fix a heart. And that's why we keep giving the gospel. We can't make anybody receive it, but we can keep giving it. But I do believe there comes a point in someone's life where they've rejected God so much, God says, I'm done. And they will never receive him. I remember one time I was at the door with this man, and a nice, nice older man. I spent about 45 minutes at his door. He understood everything that I said about the gospel. Did I get it? I can't do it. What do you mean you can't do it? You just do it. He said, do you, do you get these? I get it. I believe those. I, I can't. And for a while, I tried. I'm like, yeah, you can. Just, just do it. Could that be the case for that man that he rejected God so much, God finally said, I'm done? And maybe he understood it, but he couldn't get it. I'm not telling you that everyone who rejects God is given over to a reprobate mind right away. But there does come a point where that happens. I'm not the judge of when that happens. There are too many Christians who try to be the judge of when that takes place. And that's not my job. I, my job is to give the gospel. I'm not a fruit inspector. I'm a gospel giver. That's what I am. And that should be your job as well. But when we look at this, it's a harsh but true reality that those who reject God will ultimately be rejected by God. Lyle talks about in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 2, speaking lies and hypocrisy, 
having their conscience seared with a hot iron. When they sear their conscience, they close the door to God's activity in their life. Even though God is a God of love, mercy, grace, and love, soft, love, long-suffering, He's still a God of justice, holiness, judgment, and wrath. And there is a price for rejecting God. Why the wrath of God? Because man rejected God. And because man rejected God, God gives them over and says, go ahead and do what you want. But it's going to cost you in the long run. When man rejects God, eventually God will reject them. That's what it comes down to. There's a species of ants in Africa that builds its colony and nests in deep underground tunnels. And it's here that their young and their queen live. Even though these ants may be a great distance from the nest looking for food, they can sense when their queen is being attacked and they all become extremely nervous and uncoordinated. If the queen is killed, they become frantic and rush around aimlessly until they die. What a great illustration of a person who's rejected God in their life, because that's what takes place. Being unable to find direction and peace, apart from a relationship with God, man rushes around aimlessly in this life, pursuing his own sin until he dies and enters eternity. That's why the wrath of God. And Paul's laying the foundation, getting ready to go into chapter number two and explain some more things and explain how the Gentiles are sinners and how the Jews are sinners. And then he talks about the gospel and goes deeper into it. That's, what, that's the foundation that's being laid. But you might look around tonight in our world and see, hey, this is why our world is the way it is. Because when you reject God, the side effects of it. Why America is going down the ditch it's going? Because we've rejected God and said, God, we don't want you. And we see God says, okay, you don't want me? I'll step out of the way. Go right ahead. And we see all the things taking place in our world and homosexuality coming to the forefront of things. And we see all the vile, wicked, sinful things around us because man has chosen to reject God. I'm so thankful for salvation tonight. And I'm so thankful that I didn't reject him. I feel bad for those who reject him. We read about it. And maybe you're sitting here, you're watching online tonight, I don't know what the case may be. Don't reject him. It's the worst mistake you'll ever make in life. You say, well, I'll reject, I just don't need that now, maybe later. When is it going to be too late? None of us have that answer. Don't reject him. Because we see the progression, we see it all around us in our world tonight. And it only gets worse. But I'm so glad that thanks to God, we can have victory in him. 
And that's why it's important that we as Christians give the gospel out. That's why we hear vaccine, vaccine, COVID can go away and all of that. 99% of people who get COVID are going to be just fine when it's all said and done. That's the statistics out there. Mankind without God is 100% dead. Mankind needs God. You have the answer in the gospel. Give the gospel. Share the gospel. Go to others. It is the only hope. And if we're going to do anything to bring our country back to God or get our world a little bit better, it's going to come through the gospel. That's the only hope that we have. The only hope this world has is the gospel because mankind, when they reject God, it says, do what you want. And look at the mess that man creates. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Hence, why the wrath of God's there. Because God says, I put light in you. I gave you all of creation. I've given you a book. I've given you a way to get to know me. I love you. I've done so much for you. Man says, I don't want it. I don't want it. God says, okay, here you go. You do what you want. But the wrath of God still abides on them. Remember that scripture? That's why the wrath of God. Because God's done everything within his power to save mankind. And mankind rejects him. If you haven't trusted Christ, quit rejecting him and accept him tonight. You watching online, same thing. You're going to watch a video at the close of the service here in just a minute that goes through the entire gospel. You listen to that. You get a hold of God tonight. Don't reject him. That's what this world needs. People say yes to Jesus. Father, I thank you for